Hey, this is Pastor John Ryan Cantu from Numa Church in Houston, Texas. Thank you for listening to the message today. I hope that it blesses you and all those that you share it with. God bless you. seated for just a moment. Amen. Praise the Lord. Amen. Feeling good this morning. Amen. Are we ready for the word? Amen. Man, God is, God has been moving, moving this morning, man. We had a beautiful service this morning in our, in our Spanish service. I mean, God just moved, moved. Um, God, God is really beginning to not just beginning. He's been doing it, but I believe that the, the people are hungry. We are hungry. And we need to be hungry. You got to be hungry. And I'm talking about spiritually hungry, okay? <laughs> Some of you are like, I'm, I'm pretty hungry this morning. I'm talking about spiritually hungry. Be hungry for the things of God because God wants to deliver. The Holy Spirit wants to feed daily. He is our daily bread. But if we are not hungry, we are not taking. And so I believe that God is, is beginning to stir up hunger in this, in this place. And we need to be hungry because there's going to be a, a flood of people that are hungry for, for a life change. And, and we need to be the ones to take them to the provision that is Jesus. Amen. So continue being hungry, man. Uh, worship God with everything that you have. When you come into this place, expect to lift your hands, expect to sing. I don't care if you can't sing good. Okay. We got the people up here who can sing. Okay. If you can't sing that great, it's all good, but just sing, sing. Amen. And, and praise the Lord with everything that you have. Just a couple of announcements this morning. If you're doing the fast with us, keep going strong. Amen. Uh, praise, praise God for, for, for one week. Um, let, let, let's keep doing it. And, and, and again, when we fast, we are, we're not just fasting. We're, just, we're not just not eating. It's not just a, a specific diet. We are seeking. We're, going, we're, we're seeking to go deeper. We are sacrificing our hunger, physical hunger, so that we can be fed spiritually. Amen. That's, that's, so when, when, when you would normally maybe have lunch, pray. When you would normally eat a feast, seek God. That's, that's the purpose of, of what we're doing. Um, also, I, I know that there was an announcement, um, that our, our kids, they're, they're raising some money for missions, speed the light. Um, we, we, we want to be a church that, that gives to the heart of God, which is, which is missions, the mission field. And the, the youth group have taken that initiative to raise some funds on their own. So they'll be, uh, they'll be selling something out. Are they selling? What are they doing? See that I wasn't supposed to give this announcement. Oh, donations. Okay, donations for for speed the light. There's donations for speed the light. Amen. Not, they're not selling anything. Um, amen. Jesus. Okay, and then one final announcement. I want you to get prepared, and I want to tell you well in advance uh, for our friends and family Sunday that we're going to be having next month uh, in in February. Amen. Um, so so begin to uh, just think about. Somebody that you're going to invite, begin to pray over them, um, because I believe, you know, we want, we want to connect people to, to Jesus. Amen. That's, that's, that's the purpose of these. So if you're just bringing your friend from another church, don't do that. Okay. Uh, bring somebody who doesn't normally come to church and, um, let them receive what God has. Amen. Amen. Let's go to the word this morning. If you would stand with me, we're going to go to Matthew chapter six, Matthew chapter six, 25 through 34. Amen. <clears throat> and before we start, I want you to tell the person sitting next to you, don't worry. Tell the next person, don't worry. 
Amen. Some of y'all are worried about something this morning. And this is what Jesus says. This is uh, one of his points on his Sermon on the Mount. He says, therefore, I tell you, do not be anxious about your life and what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body or what you will put on. It's not life more than food and the body more than clothing. Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor weep nor gather into the barns. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. Are you not more value than any of they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Calm down, Jesus, that hurts. Somebody say this morning. Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, what shall we eat or what shall we drink or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things and your heavenly fathers knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. Therefore, do not be anxious about tomorrow for tomorrow will be anxious for itself, sufficient for the day in its own trouble. Amen. I already prayed, so I'm going to have you uh, sit this morning. That, ver- that passage speaks for itself. I, I probably could just close my notes and, 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 and be done. But I, I want to I touch some points this morning that might, might bring some conviction to your life. I opened up this, uh, this, my Bible this week just to... Um, um, to, uh, I was, I was studying and I, I stumbled upon this passage and, um, I probably read this passage thousands of times. I'm sure you've read it thousands of times. It's, it's, it's one that we all know very well. It's one that I very often go to in, in times of, of anxiety and worry when I'm going through it. It's a, it's a passage that I point other people to, uh, when I know that they're dealing with some type of anxiety and it just, it feels like God really points me to this passage of scripture just when I need it. And I needed it a little bit this week. And what's funny is right after I read this passage, like literally two seconds later, I get a phone call from a friend. Uh, I, do, I, do, I do some business with him in, in real estate. And, and he calls me and he's, he, he sounds a little troubled. And he says, uh, God just put you on my heart. He said, I needed to call you. And I'm like, all right, what's on your mind? And then he begins to, again, with trouble in his voice, to kind of tell me everything that he's going through. He's passing through, through some financial struggles and his business is, is, is having a really hard time. He's going through a really tough season and, and he's, he, he's worried. And so I, the only thing I think to do was give him the very word that God just gave me five seconds ago. And so I tell him, look, man, Matthew six, Jesus says, don't worry. Don't be anxious about your life, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and everything will be added to you. And you know, when, when, before I said that, I almost didn't want to say it because, you know, sometimes, let's be honest, sometimes just giving people scripture, it feels like a cop out. Like, like someone is asking for help and you just brush them off with a Bible verse, right? And, and you know, can I, can I tell you, it's, it's really easy to quote scripture. It's really easy. And it sounds good. I mean, it's the word of God. How can you oppose someone coming back at you with scripture? Like you have to say amen, right? 
How can you not say amen? But sometimes people want a little bit more. Let's be honest. You go to somebody for help. We want advice. We want counsel. But many times the word of God, all the time, the word of God is the only thing that you need in a season. And right now, God might be trying to show you something. He might be trying to teach you something in his word through what you're going through, through what you're passing through. And, and you, might, you might be looking for another solution when God is saying, my solution is right here in my word. That's good, God, but I, I need a loan. Your Bible doesn't provide loans. That's good, God, but I need a job. I can't open up the Bible and receive a job like that. That's good, God, but I, I, I kind of I need money, right? I wasn't going to this person so that they could give me scripture. I was going to them so that they could give me a solution. And so I say all of this to say that if, if all someone has to give you is the word of God, take it. And take it proudly because God's word is enough. Peter told the beggar who was begging on the street, hey, uh, I need some money. And Peter was like, well, money I don't have. But what I do give, I give to you. And the only thing that Peter had in that moment was his faith and empowerment of the Holy Spirit. And that was the very thing that Peter gave to this man. And the Holy Spirit manifested in a way that money would not have been, uh, been close to do. And so I want to extend that word to you this morning. I ain't got gold. I ain't got silver. I don't have a, I don't have a solution to every one of your troubles. I, can't, I don't have a job to give you, but I have his word. I have his word. And this word, God reminded me, is about dependence. Dependence. And I gave the title, um, The Good Master. The Good Master. How many of us know that we have a good master? We have a good father. And, and the first thing that I want you to notice kind of in the broader context of this message is that Jesus is comparing two masters. He's talking about two masters. In verse 24, he says, no one can serve two masters for either he will hate the one and love the other or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You can't serve both God and money. We're going to talk about money today. <laughs> no way, man. All right, let's go. Let's do it, baby. <laughs> Challenge accepted. <laughs> So what, what, what follows verse 27, oh, I'm sorry, verse 24 is, is, is Jesus and his promise that God as the good master will provide for the needs of his children, right? And verse, 20, verse 24 has always been one of those verses that where we really try to justify what's meant by money. I mean, Christians are, are quick to, we're, we're quick to, to criticize. We're like, oh, it's not, it's not about money. It's about the love of money, right? How many of you have said that before. It's not money. It's the love of money. And I'm not here to tell you that that's not true. That, that is true. That is, that is a problem. Money on its own is not the problem. Yes, it, it, the love of money is. But I don't think that even that interpretation encompasses the whole meaning of the text. Because you might, you might think to yourself, well, Pastor, this message is not even about me. You know why? Because I don't even got money. <laughs> how, can, how can I love something I don't have, right? It's just a means to an end. But, but there's, there's more to it, okay? And so I, 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 did, a very, I did a deep study on the Greek word. Uh, I did a whole semantic you know, study on, on, on the word money. Mammon is the Greek word. And nowhere in, in, in the Greek dictionary, I looked in the Greek dictionary, was the definition of love for money. It's just money. 
wealth. And so that's what it means. It means, it means wealth. Now, in the context, I will say that mammon, right? Mammon is never the evil. So, so yes, it's not money that's the problem. You can have wealth without committing an evil. Paul even tells Timothy, as for the rich in this present age, tell them to not put their hopes on their money, but on God. And so there is a way that you can have money, but not serve it. The problem here, and the thing that Jesus is getting us to, uh, to, 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 to realize is that money might not be the problem. It's the way that money is served. And, and what Jesus does here is he includes two groups of people who are prone to serving money. Okay, so see, see, most people think it's just the wealthy who serve money because they're the ones who are greedy. They're the ones who prey on the poor. And scripture is, I mean, it's full of, of, of places where God is rebuking the rich because they oppress the poor. And they're the ones who store up treasures for themselves. And, and so that, that's who Jesus is talking about. And Jesus does talk about them in verse 19 where he says, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures in heaven. It's true. Mammon is often used in the context of greed. But here's another group of people that he addresses who still serve money. They just serve money in a different way. I'm teaching a little bit, okay? So, there's, so, so we're not talking about the greedy this morning. I don't want to talk about the greedy. I don't want to talk about the wealthy this morning. I want to talk about the other group of people that Jesus talks about here. These are the people who worry about money so much that that they will do anything and everything to obtain it. And so you work three jobs because you're always, you you need it. And, And you're always working and you're always sacrificing some other aspect of your life for money. These are the people who stay awake at night. They're anxious about not being able to pay for the things that only money can pay for because I can't, I can't pay my mortgage with the prayer. I can't go and buy groceries with the Bible verse, right? See, see, it's not money that's the problem, whether you have it or whether you don't have it. It's slavery to money. It's dependence on money. You don't only have to be greedy to be a slave to money. You can also be needy and be a slave to money. And we say, how, how, how can I be a, a, a slave to something I don't have? Well, because you think that by having it, everything is going to be made better. And Jesus says, you can't serve both God and money. Therefore, stop being anxious about your life. In moments of anxiety, who do you run to? Which master do you run to? What is, what is your peace dependent on? And maybe you're right there in the middle because you say, well, maybe, maybe you have enough money to, to not worry about not having it, but you're not so consumed with it. And so, so you're right there in the middle. That's, that's good. But what if, what if your job is taken away? What if the security is taken away? Would you run to money as your savior? I know it's a lot. We're quiet this morning. You're sitting there. You're arguing with me in your head, man. You are. You are. Some of you are like, Pastor, I got bills to pay, man. I know you're trying to be spiritual. I know it's a Sunday and you're up there and you're preaching, but I got bills to pay, right? I'm not, I'm not a slave to money. It's that I have a family to support. I have people that are dependent on me. The Bible says, he who does not work shall not eat. And so you tripping, Pastor. But I'm not, I'm not talking about, look, I'm not talking about the need to work. I'm not speaking about 
against you know, in, investing. I'd be the last person to tell you that financial investing is evil. What I'm talking about is, is money as your master. Just because you need money to live doesn't mean that it has to be your master. Just like, just like, just because you need food to live doesn't mean food should be your master. That might be a different sermon. Sometimes we can't help ourselves around certain food. We eat, we even eat when we're not hungry. We can't say no to certain food. It keeps us in bondage. These don't get a lot of amens because they're not spiritual stuff. Talk about the demons. Woo, we get crazy. Stomp on demons. Stomp on devils. I don't want to, I don't want to stomp on money. Put that money in my pocket, pastor. Give me those tacos. We, we don't always realize that the practical things like money, like food, often enslave us. We don't realize it because money isn't viewed as evil, like sexual morality. Food isn't evil like lying and gossip. And so we brush over the fact that we have created masters out of things that we reason don't have spiritual elements to it. Some people have made entertainment their master and you spend all your free time on TV and on social media because it's not evil. Football, sports. Come on, sister. Sister's getting... She's... I don't know if she's talking about you back there, Brother Josh, man, but... Look, we have, we have to see, we have to realize Jesus, he's not talking about money as evil. He's talking about choosing something other than him. And, and it can be anything. It can be anything. But very often money is the root of all evil because people depend on it. We depend on money, but God wants us to depend on him. And that's, that's difficult. And can I tell you that this passage I think it's really hard for us Christians in the 21st century in the Western world to, to really relate to this audience because we are a different audience than the ones that Jesus was talking about. This, this is a completely different people than the people sitting in this room. And you know how I know this? Because after church today, all of you are going to go out to eat. All, all, all y'all are going to get lunch somewhere. Some of y'all are going to go to a restaurant. Some of y'all are going to go with some friends and you're going to order not water, right? You're going to order like a $3 sweet tea or something. Man, bougie. You might even get your, your car valeted, right? Now, 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 some of you are like, no, not me, pastor. It's tight in my house. Now, I'm going to get you too. You're going to go to McDonald's. You're going to order some things off the dollar menu. And you know what you're going to do? You're going to take that food back to your house where you have a roof over your head, where you have some AC, where you have a bed and you have some privacy. We're very different from this audience. Many of whom didn't know where their next meal would be. They didn't know where they were going to sleep. They didn't have income. And yet they were still being asked to do the work of Christ while being completely dependent on the father. I referenced uh, Matthew chapter 10 this, this Wednesday in our class. Um, I gave the, the overview, Matthew's chapter 1 through 10. And if you're not coming to Wednesday nights, man, come to Wednesday nights. Our Bible studies are, are good. And when we, get, we get deep into the word of God. Amen. And so if, if, you're, if you need some, some biblical knowledge, come to Wednesday nights. But I referenced uh, Matthew chapter 10, where Jesus, he sends out the 12 disciples kind of on their very first assignment. And he, he sends them out two by two. And he says, I want you to go and I want you to preach in the cities. And I'm going to give you power and I'm going to give you authority to cast out 
demons and heal the sick. Woo, I bet you they were excited. I bet you they were crunk. Our first, our first assignment after spending all this time with Jesus, learning from him and taking notes and, and seeing the way that he did things, now it's our turn. It's exciting. We'd all be excited. But then Jesus, he gives some, some instructions. He says, I want you to do this expecting nothing in return. Don't take any compensation. Okay, that's fair. But then he says, don't take with you gold or silver. Don't take any money. Don't take it. And then he says, he goes a step further. He says, don't even take a bag with you for clothes. Now, this seems very extreme. Like, I can't even, I can't even take an extra pair of clothes. I can't take a few bucks with me. If I see a Starbucks and I want some coffee, I can't, I can't take a, a few dollars with me. Jesus says, take nothing. Take nothing. How long are we going to go? I don't know. How long are we going to be out there? I don't know. Take nothing except that which I give you spiritually. Now, this, this isn't saying that like an evangelist who goes to preach at a church shouldn't expect like a love offering, right? And as a church, we always bless people that come and, and bless us with the word of God. Now, if you're, if you're an evangelist, if you're going to go preach, if you're a preacher, you probably expect for the church to take care of you. You probably expect to, 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 to receive some type of hospitality. Jesus wasn't saying that it's a sin to go and, and pack a bag when you're going doing missionary work, right? So don't, don't take it like, like that. Like you're looking at somebody like, you're packing a bag to do ministry? It's not like that. What, what Jesus was trying to do, and, and hear me, what Jesus was trying to do was he was trying to te- teach a group of men who were called to lay the foundation of the church to learn to be dependent on God and God alone. That's what he was doing. He was teaching them to be dependent on God and God alone. That's why Jesus does this. They had to learn how to be dependent on God. The apostle Paul, even though he was one of the 12, he says, I have learned to be content with what I have and with what I don't have because the Christian life is hard. And, and the work of a Christian is even harder. And it takes stamina and it takes endurance and it takes perseverance because you have to be able to trust that God is Jehovah even when you don't have anything. And so look, listen, if the, listen, if the disciples, if the disciples learn, if, if they were trying to be dependent on money, if the disciples took money with them, money would have been calling the shots. Money would have been the master. Money would have dictated whether or not the early church progressed and not the Holy Spirit. You hear me? You see what I'm saying? Like how many of the disciples would have turned back the moment the money was, was out? Uh, we're, we're all out of money. We got we to gotta go back home. We got we to gotta raise money again. We got to ask for an offering. We got to work for about three months so that we can get more, more money. And then we'll come back. Like money would have dictated the progression of the gospel. And so <laughs> Jesus, I, I just imagine them in the room. Jesus like, yeah, I got an idea. Not only is your journey going to end with not having money. Your journey is also going to begin 
with you not having money. Because if you don't start with money, money will never be a factor and therefore you will learn how not to need it. And, and then he's like, you know what? I, let's, I got another idea. You're not even going to take extra clothes with you. Because look, man, what, what would happen if, if you take an extra bag with you? What's going to happen? The moment you're down to your last pair of underwear, and you've already flipped them inside out a few times. <laughs> what are you going to do? You're going to go back because, man, I got to wash. It's getting rough. I'm starting to stink. So Jesus says, don't take money. Don't take clothes. Don't take anything that you think you need because all you need, I will give to you. And my father in heaven who loves you and has called you to this work will provide for you. But you have to be dependent on him. That's what Jesus was doing. He was teaching his disciples who he knew would have moments of being without He knew that they were going to have nights where nobody would receive them in the cities and they would have to find a rock to lay their head. He knew that there were going to be people who didn't, who weren't very kind to them and they didn't give them any money and they didn't give them any food. But so money had to be irrelevant so that God was just everything. If we took our lives and created a pie chart, how much of it would be divided in different sections? And maybe God is the biggest section, but we still depend on everything else. God is like this much, but I still need the money. I still need the food. I still still need all of this. And I'm not saying (laughs) that food is evil. I'm not saying that money is evil. I'm saying your dependence on those things, your slavery to those things, that can create a master when our master is supposed to be God. Now, I thank God that we weren't called to form the early church. I thank him. And the apostles, they, they knew a suffering and a persecution that most of us will never know. But at least we could stop being anxious. Tell the person next to you, don't worry. Guys, things like fear, hold on, I'm, this, is, this is round two of the sermon, I gotta take off my jacket. I feel weird when my, my shirt is tucked into my jeans and I'm not wearing a coat, but if I untuck it, it's gonna be real wrinkled. So just, this is me today, okay? All right, look. Hear me out on this. Things like anxiety, worry, and fear. Those are symptoms of a displeased master. And, and it's not the good master, okay? I want you to get this because anxiety, worry, and fear, they are, I mean, they're everywhere in the life of Christians. Fear, worry, anxiety, that is, those are symptoms of a displeased Master, and I'm not, I'm not talking about little things like I'm worried I'm going to be late for church or I'm in fear of my life when, when my wife drives as I, as I am, right? I'm not talking about those things. I'm talking about, I'm talking about deeper things. I'm talking about chronic, heavy, spiritual anxiety, worry, and fear. I, I think the meaning of those words alone speak to the severity of what we're talking about. 
Anxiety, the Greek word for anxiety is marinao. And it, it means what anxiety means. It means to be concerned. It means to be apprehensive. And it means to be anxious. And so think about that definition. Anxiety is the antithesis of what? Faith. It is the opposite of faith. It is, it is the enemy of faith. If you're anxious, you can't have faith. Because all you're doing is worrying. And all you're doing is speaking to your worry. And all you're doing is fueling the worry. And faith is not present. Faith is a symptom of serving the good master. Because it means that you are dependent on God and God alone. You're hopeful. You're hopeful for the things that you don't see because even though you don't see God, you know that he's there and you have faith that God is working. Even though you can't see him working, you know that he's there. If you're anxious and you're worried and, and you're, you're fearful, God didn't give you the spirit of fear. That is not from God. And how many of us are sitting in the room fearful for something? God hasn't given it to you. You're serving another master with your fear. You're serving another master with your anxiety because God didn't call you to do those things. Those are not symptoms that you serve the good master. And so if, if you're concerned, if you consume worry and you're just always worried, you're always anxious, like how, how am I going to feed my family? How am I going to do it? How am I going to pay my rent? You're always worried about that. That's always on your mind. What are you going to be doing? You're going to be looking to the master mammon. Where you at, money? I need you. Where you at, job? I need you. Where you at, investment? I need you to make some gains. Come on, Bitcoin. Come on, go back up. Where you at? But if you flip it and you make God your master, you might still not know how you're going to make ends meet tomorrow, but your mind is completely in a different place. Now you have, now you have peace. Now you have hope because you know that your God is, is, is a providing God. He is a good God. He is a loving God. He's a merciful God. He's, he's mindful of you. And I have faith because even though I don't know how this is going to happen, even though I don't have money, I'm dependent on you because your word says I should not be worried. Your word says I should be anxious about nothing because you who clothe the lilies of the field and you who feed the birds in the air, how much more will you feed your child? I will not worry. Jesus is saying you can't serve both masters. You can't serve two. And if you're going to serve God, Jesus, Jesus is talking to his followers. He's talking to his disciples. And so if you're going to serve God, like many of you in here, you're, you're here with the intent to serve God. And so I believe that God wants to tell you this morning, if you are going to serve God, you cannot have anxiety. You cannot have worry because those are symptoms that you're serving another. Money's not evil. It's the idolatry behind it. It's the dependence on it. Paul said, Paul said regarding idols in 1 Corinthians, he said, we know that an idol is nothing in this world because there is no God but one. And so many of the things that we make into masters, they're not real. They're not real masters. 
But we're so concerned with them. We're so consumed with them. We're so mindful of them. We spend all our energy thinking about them and not God. Am I speaking to anybody this morning? I want to, I didn't, I didn't think that I wanted to share this, but I just, I wrote it just in case. Um, I'm going to be kind of personal with you. Okay. I, I worry. I worry. I'm over here telling you not to worry. I'm over here telling you that if you worry, you're serving another master. I, I, I worry sometimes, especially in these economic times that we're in. $9 eggs. Come on. I think most men, I need your help, men. I need most men who have families, who have children. We, we, we worry sometimes because we have a family that is dependent on us. My kids aren't worried. Shoot. My kids are not worried. Layla is not worried. She thinks we are billionaires. <laughs> They're not worried, as they should be. We shouldn't worry because my God in heaven, I mean, he's, he's more than a billionaire. He's got all the riches. Everything belongs to him. But sometimes we're not looking up. We're looking at our bank account. We're looking at the empty fridge. We're looking at the, at the pile of bills that, that we have coming due. We look, at, we look at all these different things and, and we, we worry. And so for me, you know, I, I worry sometimes and I have to check myself very often. The things that I worry about, you know, I, and I, I try not to share it too much with my wife because even I want her to feel confident in me. But I, sometimes I wonder, what if, what if my business fails? And, and for me, I'm, I'm grateful I'm grateful that I can, I can be employed by the church. Our church has paid their pastors for the past 60 years. And I pray that future pastors will, will continue to have that blessing of the church. But I also know that once my calling as a pastor runs its course, I don't want the only thing keeping me as a pastor to be a paycheck. I've seen so, I've seen so many tired pastors. Pastors who are, they're done, man. They're tired. They, they need to retire and their churches are suffering and their youth groups are suffering and they know it, but because they are so dependent on that paycheck, the church suffers. I don't want that for me and I don't want that for this church. And so I worry. <laughs> I've always been the, you know, I've always kind of had the entrepreneurial kind of spirit. And I think I get that from my, both sides of my family. I chose real estate because it's a little bit more passive. It's a little bit more flexible. And I can, I can give the majority of my time to my ministry. But for me, let me be real. My business is my retirement. I don't get a 401k at the church. We're not white. (laughs) I know we... (laughs) I know we got some white people here. I I didn't mean any offense. We love you. We need more of you. We need more of you. I had to throw that joke. 
But look, look, my, my, my future, what I'm saying is my future financial status depends largely on the success or the failure of, of my business. And so naturally, because of that, that makes me worry. And if I give too much weight to that worry, it can be a symptom of a deeper problem. And I want to tell you today, man, maybe, maybe you're not worried about money, but maybe, maybe fear still fills your life. You're always worried about something. You're always anxious about something. That might be a symptom that you're enslaved to something other than the good master who says, don't worry about your life. Don't worry about your life. Don't worry about what you're going to eat, what you're going to drink, what you will wear. Jesus asked, he asked two rhetorical questions. I'm almost done. The first one, he says, he says, is life not more than food and the body more than clothing? When we church, when we spend time being anxious, we give up the more of the life that God intended for us. Like life is a gift from God. Amen. Life is the, the very fact that you're here. You have breath in your lungs. That is a gift from God. And when we spend it worrying, we miss so much on the life that God intended for us. Look, look at, look at. If, if God has called you, I'm, I'm speaking to somebody this morning. If God has called you somewhere other than where you're at right now, and you're reluctant to, you're reluctant to leave that place because you worry about what your life is going to look like. What if, what if I, I leave the secure job and I, and I go into ministry? What, what, if I, what if I start my own business? God, I know you, you've been putting that on my heart, but I don't want to leave this place. Your reluctance, in your reluctance, in your worry, you're actually missing out on the life that your master intended for you. The concern should be, what would happen to my life if I didn't submit to my father in heaven? The second question he says which of you by being anxious can add a single hour to his life what's the answer to that question none God has allotted every single one of us with a specific amount of time our days are numbered worrying does nothing to change it in fact worry only distracts you from the life that God wants you to live if the disciples were always worried about what they would eat, they would have stopped preaching. They, they might have been so distracted that they couldn't focus on their ministry. And so one of the last things that Jesus says is this. I'm going to have the worship team come up. He says, seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added to you. One more time. Seek first the kingdom and his righteousness and all will be added to you. Notice that he, notice that our God is so good. He, he didn't, he didn't just say seek only. He, he didn't say don't seek a job. He didn't say don't seek financial wisdom. He didn't say don't seek ways to improve your life. He said, seek first the kingdom of heaven before you do anything else. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Before you go running to all these different job applications, go to your knees and seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Because when you seek first the kingdom of heaven, listen, when you seek first the kingdom of heaven, that means that your priorities are in order and that your allegiance is to God and God alone. And so if, if God says go, but money says no, you go anyways. 
You go anywhere. You, you, don't, you don't let money deter you from what God wants you to do. If fear says stop, if anxiety says stop, this is too much. And God says, no, no, you keep going because I am with you. That means that you push through it because he's your master. Jesus is Lord. God is your master. And therefore, fear has to bow before my master. Anxiety has to bow before my master in heaven. And faith will begin to arise. Faith will begin to arise. This is, what it, this is what Paul talks about when he talks about the fruit of the Spirit. When you are connected to the vine, when you are connected to your, to your Father in heaven and you are serving him, the product of that is faith, love, goodness, joy, hope. All the fruit of the Spirit. When you're connected to God and when you seek first his kingdom, serve both. Stop worrying. Stop worrying. Look, I, 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 I don't like to preach sermons just to preach a sermon. I don't want it to go in one ear, out the other. I don't want tomorrow to come and you're back at it. Oh, don't worry. God is with you. God is with, God will sustain you. God loves you. Now, many of us don't worry about what we will eat, where we will sleep. A lot of us worry. I think, I think we relate actually more to the wealthy than we do the poor. Because like I said, I'm, a lot of us here, we, we live a good life. We live a real good life. Amen. We have, we have a place to live. We have, we have something to eat. Sometimes we worry about losing the security. Sometimes we worry about losing the more that's been given to us. We, we, we worry about losing the blessings. And if that's what you're worried about, then your master is materialism. And God wants to be your master. Money didn't die for you. Jesus died for you. Jesus died to be your Lord. And so many times we want Jesus, but we also want to serve another. And God says, no, you can't serve both. You have to choose. You have to choose. I'm about to end. Jesus, he's speaking in the context of, of, of slavery, of indentured servitude. Indentured servitude was a very common practice in, in ancient culture. People, people were slaves to masters. These masters would pay off their debt and in return, their, 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 their servants would work for them until the, they paid off the debt with their work. Very, very different than the way that we, we tend to think about slavery today. Many of these men would go voluntarily. They would say, hey, I have this massive debt. Can I work for you? 
can I, can I, can I live for free and work for you? That was indentured servitude. Now, if you were a slave to a master, you couldn't be a slave to two. You could only be a slave to one. Your allegiance was ultimately to one master. And in our day, we often treat Jesus as Lord, as a Lord, but not the Lord. And, and we still submit to people and we still submit to our flesh and we still submit to worry and we still submit to fear instead of seeking first the kingdom of heaven. It's the kingdom that our master cares about and we are called to be servants in his kingdom. We are called to submit to him. We are called to be, to be dependent on him and him alone. And this is a hard word. It is a hard word to live out. It's even a, there's, there, there's sermons that are easy to hear and say amen to, but harder to live. This one is a, is a word that's even hard to, to hear because we are so consumed. We are so dependent on other things other than our father in heaven. But God wants you to know this morning, I love you. Seek first the kingdom of heaven. Seek first the kingdom of God. Come on, why don't you stand? Seek first the kingdom of God. Hallelujah, we worship you, my God. Right there where you're at, church. I asked the worship team to just sing this, this bridge to this song. It's very, very simple. And I want us just for, for a moment, just to, just to give this time to God. And begin to lay down things that maybe we have carried with us. We haven't submitted over to our good master. We seek you first. Thanks for listening. If you'd like some more information on Numa Church, visit us on our website at mynumachurch.org. If you enjoyed the podcast, you can subscribe or share it with your friends on social media and tag us at mynumachurch. Thanks again and God bless.